We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Hey, everyone. This is Rob from the Striking Gold podcast on the Blue Wire Network. Um, I'm here to talk to you real quick about my bookie. It's a brand new football season. Antonio Brown is on the Raiders. Le'Veon Bell is with the Jets. Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. The only thing that hasn't changed where I'm putting my money down on all the games. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. Our Blue Wire podcasters are using mybookie.com slash Blue Wire to sign up this year. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win, guaranteed to win at least $100,000 and only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business and for your fantasy guys out there, you even get to bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score every game. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE and when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, and get paid. So with that, what's up, folks? Welcome again to the Striking Gold podcast. Uh, it's a 49er spot on the Blue Wire. 
I'm Rob, as always. I cover the 49ers for Niners Nation. And today we're joined by a special guest, sort of. You'll get what I mean here in a little bit. It's the founder of our Blue Wire Network, as well as the podcast that evolved into the Striking Gold, uh, Mr. Kevin Jones. What's up, boss? Rob, dude, you're doing an amazing job carrying the torch tonight. Croc couldn't join us. He's putting his kids to sleep. You guys have been crushing it. No, it's amazing. Um, I think you're one of the best hosts on our entire network. So I'm happy to sit in this analyst chair as you kind of set us up here and take us through the night as the 49ers just uh, are finishing up against the Denver Broncos week two of the preseason. A lot, lot of I have some takes coming out of this game. This wasn't the, the cleanest game to, to start out with. No, it wasn't. And obviously the story of the evening was the heralded return of Jimmy Garoppolo, who hasn't played football in almost a year um, after he tore his ACL in week three against the Chiefs. Uh, I believe it was week three. I think I'm, I'm right on that. Yeah, you're um, yeah. So, and he made his first start and it, and it wasn't exactly what everybody was expecting. Do you want me to, do you want me to list this off, Kevin? You want me to oh, rattle off his stat line? Okay. Jimmy Garoppolo was one for six. He completed those passes for zero yards. One of those incompletions was an interception, all of which was for a 0.0 quarterback rating. His first four passes all hit the hands of Broncos defenders. Two of them were batted down at the line of scrimmage. One was intercepted, and he was he was being pressured. He kind of dropped into his back foot and just kind of lobbed it up there. And then the fourth pass that was batted down should have been an easy pick which would have been a pick six for the defender. So it wasn't the greatest start for the old Jimmy G. No, and for me, Rob, it was the, the old eye test is that it looks like he's just not seeing the field clearly, that his, his footwork it, it didn't look right, like he was throwing off his back foot a little bit. So you expect a little bit of the jitters, obviously, coming off the ACL. I'm a big proponent of getting him these reps. I thought he probably should have played into the second quarter. Like Kyle should have went a little bit off script. Clearly, he's not that nervous about it. Or you know, Kyle went in with a plan, three series for him. It looked ugly. I would have liked him to get some more confidence and get these cobwebs off of him. You know, there's overreaction always on Twitter, and people are kind of clowning him a little bit. At the end of the day, I'm I'm not worried about it. But you could see a little bit of this season, 49ers fans. You could see Jimmy Garoppolo struggling, um, not getting into a rhythm. This is the types of growing pains we expected in twenty or 2018. He missed last season. So I don't think you'll get a full season, obviously, of this. This, is, this guy is going to be, I think, very close to a franchise quarterback. But you could get a game or two where there's a dud. You could get a half or two where Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't perform at a high level. So I think you know this is a good taste for everyone to kind of anticipate. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to struggle a little bit this season. We saw it tonight. Yeah, I think that's fair. And the other thing that's worth mentioning for a little bit of context is the offensive line was horrible. On basically on almost every single passing snap, Jimmy Garoppolo was getting pressured. Bradley Chubb, I think, got the better of Joe Staley twice, uh, which is not exactly what you want to see. Now, obviously, I'm not. We're not sitting here, and you know, it's not necessarily an indictment of Joe Staley. You know, that kind of just happens. Um, he may have taken his preseason contest a little bit lightly, but it was tough for, for Garoppolo to find find any sort of a rhythm, especially with the pressure. But at the same time, a quarterback being pressured shouldn't exactly mean he was making the throws he was making. Uh, sometimes you got to throw it away. Sometimes you take a sack, whatever you got. But you know, it, it was it just really wasn't a great showing at, at really at all for the whole entire first team offense. I mean, obviously receivers didn't get to do anything. No, I'm- 
there's no panic button being hitting here, but we're analyzing what we saw. What we saw is that yeah, the offense looked completely overwhelmed and overmatched, not ready to play. And Jimmy Garoppolo set that tone. I guess the weird part is that he was good under pressure in, in 2017 when the offensive line wasn't that good and there was pressure in his face. It's just going to take time and reps, guys. And it could be – this could bleed into September some of his struggles, so people have to prepare. I think the eye-opening thing to me, Rob, is that if this O-line has some injuries early on – and they have some of these matchups against D-lines like Cleveland's who they're going to have to face. They're, they're going to face some really good D-lines this year. That could be the downfall to this team. I'm very confident in Garoppolo picking this back up. The receivers are much improved. The running back is, you know, stable is so deep. I don't think this team has an amazing offensive line. I think they're middle tier. I love McGlinchey. Staley is who he is. The interior has a lot to prove in pass blocking. And tonight was a little eye-opening that this unit has some injuries. This team could struggle because they just they're not there yet on the O line. It's not a dominant unit, not even no. Close. And they're also they're not even okay completely healthy. They're not really a dominant unit. They might, like you said, might be middle of the road. And right now they don't have Weston Richburg, their starting center, who last year he was dealing with a knee injury that was apparently or, or a leg injury that was apparently really 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 affecting him. He immediately had to have surgery after the season. But he when he was in, he wasn't great. And like I said, you know, asterisk with the injury and the Mike person, their starting right guard was just in a, in crutches and a little boot earlier in the week during the, after the open practice. And apparently he had just, I mean, one person said that he thought it might've wrapped it a little too tight. His foot was just really hurting him. He's apparently fine. It doesn't seem like something long-term that's even going to last into week one, but you you have an already just okay offensive line by uh, protecting a quarterback who's trying to come back from a torn ACL. And it just kind of has a little bit of, uh, you know, one of the big things that was touted in the offseason was the fact that they were returning all their starters, which even if you're a mediocre offensive line, it's a great thing. Cohesion and, you know, the fact that they can communicate with each other is makes a huge difference. But even then they still weren't that great. And now they're even having injuries there. So it just seems like, you know, it's, it's kind of riding on thin ice, you know, if one or one or two injuries along the offensive line and things are just drastically changing. So it might not get any easier for the old Jimmy G going in the regular season. I think the good news is the running game though. Um, at least like the O-line is bringing one strength to be one thing. If this was like, Oh God, they're, they're a nightmare. It's Swiss cheese, but they, they are a really good run blocking unit. We saw Raheem Mostert. It was, yes, it was the backups, but the blocking schemes, that Kyle has implemented over the last couple of years. I think people understand them now. There's a, there's a lot more sense of what they're doing. So early in the season, could we see Kyle pound the ball 30 times, use all three of these running backs, kind of take the pressure off of Jimmy G, take the pressure off this pass-blocking interior O-line? We could see Kyle kind of mask some of the 49ers' early season jitters and and you know ride heavily on the run game which will open up play action which can open up a deep bomb so this is why kyle is revered and you know the offense i don't think is going to be a problem this season if the offense is a problem this season with kyle shanahan year three obviously he's not going on the hot seat but there's going to be a lot of questions for him to answer the offense is supposed to average you know 23 24 25 points per game keep this team competitive i'm not ready to wave a flag like i'm i'm concerned at all but you know, his coaching abilities, if this offense isn't good, will come more into question. He won't be revered as a savior. He knows this too. Like the offense has to be very good this season. Right. And I think you made a good point in the fact that he, if you're, if you have, I think the 49ers, I just saw this from uh, over the, one of the over the cap guys on Twitter. I think the 49ers are the only team in the NFL that is spending more on their 
running backs than they are on their wide receivers. Now, obviously there's some little caveats there with a lot of rookie wide receivers and younger mm-hmm. receivers, but you know, that kind of lends to your point about the fact that maybe they're going to try and implement a lot more of the run game than we've seen so far. I mean, they have Tevin Coleman, they have uh, Matt Breida, they have Raheem Mostert who had an, who had a good game tonight. You know, they have the tools there to lean on them a lot and maybe they will. And that doesn't necessarily include just the run game, uh, you know, short passes to running backs, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo loves throwing those. Kyle Shanahan loves using them. Uh, and then Jarek McKinnon's kind of the X factor. Does he come back healthy? Does he start the year off on IR because he's still kind of dealing with that ACL? So, but I think it's to your point, they have, they could do that. You know, if, if Jimmy Garoppolo is struggling early on, they, they shouldn't have a problem kind of implementing more of a, a much more simple pass game and then really leaning on the run game. Cause that's what uh, everyone has said was the key to Garoppolo's that, that five games on, you know, in 2017 where the team went undefeated, apparently the, the pass game was very, very simplified just because he was just getting there. Well, maybe you go back to that a little bit, maybe make your pass game a bit more simplified. If it means just giving Garoppolo the competence he needs to just kind of, you know, work his way into the regular season. So it'll be interesting how he handles that. It's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ifs. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating to me, Rob, because Kyle's going to have to kind of make a decision here. He likes playing chess with the opponent so much, but I think week one against the Buccaneers is all about making Jimmy Garoppolo as comfortable as possible. So is the game plan to have all these tricks up their sleeves and what he really wanted to do, or do we put in the best place for Jimmy Garoppolo? Maybe it doesn't give us the super best chance to win, but it gives him the best chance to play well. So it's going to be an internal battle that Kyle has to fight. You know, he 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 likes to be fancy on the football field and scheme up someone wide open. Is that mentally weighing on Jimmy G? There'll be a discussion here the next couple of weeks. I do want to see him play week three of the preseason. I'd like to see him play the whole first half. You know, think about it. He's played less than 20 NFL games I don't think he's earned the right to sit out week three of the preseason, even coming off of ACL. So, I mean, let's not overanalyze Jimmy G. Let's not like get into a panic. I, I kind of wanted to kick the conversation to you, Rob, about Kendrick Bourne because he just caught a touchdown pass. He's playing late in the fourth quarter. You've had boots on the ground. You know, we're going to call Debo, Dante Pettis, Trent Taylor, Marquise Goodwin, slam dunks to make the roster. Who are your last two in? And I don't know. I'm a little unsure about Kendrick Bourne. To me, if you consider, like like you said, Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, and Jalen Hurd are all roster locks. And I think that Marquise Goodwin is also a very strong chance. I wouldn't necessarily call him a lock just because he's a veteran guy and he's, they're not paying him a ton. They, he doesn't necessarily have to make the roster, but he had a decent training camp. Apparently he was really good in the open practices against the Denver Broncos and, uh, you know, and, and kind of an indicator of how they felt about him. He was like the only wide receiver not to play when the 49ers opened up the preseason um, last week. So obviously they have a high opinion of him. Uh, I'm assuming they're going to want him around. He's there. He's like by far their, their biggest veteran in the room. So to me, he's got a very, very good chance to make the roster. I'm just not ready to call him a lock. So if those guys are all a, uh, a lock and the 49ers keep six uh, like they have in the past, they could keep more, but I didn't see them doing that. I would say that makes it really come down. It's between Richie James, Jordan Matthews, and like you said, Kendrick Bourne. Jordan Matthews has been decent. 
He seems to be kind of a favorite target for Garoppolo in the, the first team offense. He was that way throughout all of training camp. Uh, Richie James obviously has been – he's been decent. He's made some plays, um, but he brings some great special teams ability. I think he had like a, a 45-yard kick return tonight, uh, somewhere in there. Took it all the way close to the 50. So he's bringing some special teams ability to the table, and that kind of leaves it to Kendrick Bourne to just – he has to be just – an impressive enough receiver to stand alone and be worth a roster spot in that. Now you can kind of lean on the fact that he led the 49ers receivers last year. And that's not saying a lot. He only had like 400 and something yards, but he's a guy who's got experience in the system. He's like, I was telling Crocker when we were at training camp, he's like a, a wide receiver 3.5, you know, like he's a guy you can put in and have, you know, he's going to know exactly what to do. He's got good hands. He's had these weird drops the past couple preseason games, but for the most Kyle Shanahan said he had one of some of the best hands on the team. So obviously he has a high opinion of him. His chances are good. I think he's right there. It's just he could be one of those surprise cuts when the team kind of looks at it. Maybe it comes down to Bourne and James, and they're like, "Well, if we cut Richie James, what are we doing on special teams?" And exactly, and and like for me, because Dante Pettis has struggled a little bit, and like is not an automatic slam dunk to perform at a really high level. You almost have to keep Jordan Matthews because he has experience. You know, being a number two receiver going against NFL quarterbacks, you know. Like you can probably count on him if Dante Pettis for some reason just, you know, is, is not making any impact, which is scary to think that, wow, this guy's going to go from a rookie, you know, playing really well with Nick Mullins to not making much of a difference year two. You really hope that's not the case, but because you need more insurance and because Jordan Matthews has a more reliable career, I think it's you're going to end up with Bourne as the outside man looking in just because, Jordan Matthews does pretty much what Bourne does um, at a higher level. He's a little smaller maybe, but Richie James can return kicks. Yeah, I'm a little worried about Bourne, especially seeing him play with Wilton Spate here late in the fourth quarter. Well, and it's it, that's right. Yeah, like Obviously, they wouldn't have him out there if they were already, already kind of sure about him. You know, They'd have some of the younger guys out there. So you know he's still competing for it, and it's just it's a little interesting. I do think, though, if they start to realize that Bourne is on the outside looking in, I think they'll be calling teams. Um, I think there's still I think there's quite a few teams that would like to to trade for a guy and know he's going to make their 53. So maybe the 49ers could get like a late round pick for him. And I mean, maybe like seventh rounder, something like that, you know, because he's proven enough. He's proven that he can he can be relied upon at the very least, which is, uh, you know, an underrated quality in the league. At least, you know, he can step in, make some catches, get open. He runs good routes. So before we carry on too much, uh, I have a uh, I have a, a hairy a question for you. Uh, Kevin, <laughs> that's kind of a pun. You'll you'll get it. You'll get it. Guess Is, what? I've got a hair on my shoulder too, man. I'm getting that old where I'm getting hairs in my ears. So it's like I'm using razors not only for my face, but like you gotta have one in your backpack almost if some random one pops up. Right. So if if shaving is a terrible experience for you. We've got you covered at Blue Wire, as you can you can hear. Kevin's Kevin's got stuff on his shoulder. So our podcast network is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to Harry's.com backslash Blue Wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lather, lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough for the low-quality razors from convenience stores, which I am guilty of. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Sign up today. Harry's has a fixed shaving by combining a simple cleaning design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. 
Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany. Germany makes good stuff. That's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com forward slash blue wire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure to go to harrys.com forward slash blue wire to redeem your razor for three whole dollars. No, totally, man. And Harry's has been great. They were one of the first big partners to come in. We are also partnering with Roman. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's a knee, bad back, something worse. You can't just rub dirt on stuff anymore. Same is true with erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. You know, Don't make it awkward for yourself. Thankfully, Roman has created the most easy way to chat with a doctor online very discreetly. With Roman, you get medical care for ED from the comfort of your own home. You can handle everything in a private manner. Roman.com slash bluewire. Check it out. If your doctor decides that treatment is appropriate, they'll prescribe the medication. Free two-day shipping right to your door. Again, you don't have to go to a doctor to do this now, guys. Go to roman.com slash bluewire. Get this taken care of. This is a normal human thing. You shouldn't feel embarrassed about it. And we're happy at Blue Wire to partner with Roman. Roman.com slash bluewire. All right, Rob. Yeah, no. Um, appreciate those brands for partnering with us. Mybookie.com slash blue wire as well we're, we're trying to give people some deals here so we appreciate everyone checking out some of our sponsors we should talk about the defense it's kind of disappointing that bosa and ford are out right now also kind of good that we don't you know don't want them to suffer major injuries it looks like they're both going to be back in september revving you can't really judge a defense at all right now Without these two core pieces they've added in the offseason. Right. No, you can't. And what's encouraging about that is the defense has been pretty respectable through the first two preseason games. Even against the starters, the uh, the Dallas offense could only manage – it was either three or six points. And then Denver's starting offense only managed, I think it's, again, three or six points. I can't remember if they got both field goals with the starters. So uh, the defense is at least showing it's capable um, without – like you said, two of their biggest pieces, Nick Bosa and D Ford, and that's that's the pass rush. That's that those two pieces have the are going to have the biggest impact on the 49ers defense. That was that was their pride and joy of the offseason additions, you know, D Ford and Nick Bosa, and that's what's going to benefit guys like uh, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas, who's been having one heck of a, heck of a game. I don't think it's one of those plays that's going to show up on a stat sheet, but he was playing like a zero or a one technique right in the, the middle of the offensive line. And uh, and he just basically chucked the guy to the side and started darting after the quarterback. And I think he rolled out to the right. So like I said, not really something that will probably uh, appear on a stat sheet. But he looks good. The 49ers, him kind of finally showing up would be a huge get for the 49ers. He's had a couple, rough couple of years. And for him to kind of show the confidence, he seems like he's coming back. Last year, I wouldn't necessarily consider it a wash. But, you know, with with the fact that his sister committed suicide, that would wreck anybody. You know what I mean? It, how how could you focus? No, he football? does. He gets a do-over, Rob. Right. He does get a do-over, in my opinion. I just want to make sure he's not taking any outside snaps away from Nick Bosa. At the same time, what I said on the podcast last week, I don't know if Nick Bosa can play 
three downs as a rookie in the NFL and stay healthy. So I'm wondering the plan of who's rotating in. You have Eric Armstead as well, obviously banking on him being healthy. You know, the the, the D-line here, if, if you had to predict whether is Bosa or Ford going to have the bigger season, man, it, I can't predict it right now, but I'm, I'm leaning more towards Ford. And if both of these guys have a – Look at their combined sack total to me is, is what you're hoping. Like obviously you want both to make an impact. You're expecting both to be big time players. But if their combined sack total hits 15, I'm very happy with that season from them. And we'll see like who gets the other residuals. If Ronald Blair is still cleaning up, like we'll, we'll, we'll figure out the rest of the D-line. But I, I really am looking at the sack number more than pressures. This team needs to finish. This team needs to make sacks on on first and second down, so then third down is super challenging, or they're getting off the field on third down. So I, I do love the pressure stat, but I'm I'm actually judging this team on sacks this year. They need to finish and wrap quarterbacks to the ground. Right, I agree, and that you don't like you said, it's pressures is a real thing. I don't want to just act like they don't matter, but when you pay somebody as much as they pay D Ford and you draft somebody as high as they drafted Nick Bosa, you better be able to produce. You have to produce sex. The, you know, it, it, the number two pick is not considered like a rookie that comes in and, you know, has a, a grace period of, you know, uh, you know, well, he's still working through the kinks of being a rookie. That really doesn't apply to somebody like Nick Bosa because his biggest quality and the reason he stayed so high on draft boards despite a seizing injuring injury was the fact that he was so refined and he was like a pro coming out of college and Joe Staley would tell you the same thing those two guys babbled it out all training camp and Nick Bosa got the better of Staley on plenty of occasions really really like opened his eyes in the beginning you know in uh, whether it was one-on-ones or team drills Nick Bosa was all they could handle so the guy as long as he's healthy he's he sh- they should look at him as, as almost like a vet like they should they, should, oh, they yeah. should at least expect that type of production but to your point how much do you put him out there and the same question could be said for D Ford he played a, a ton of snaps at KC um, but that was in a little bit dif- different defense more of like an outside backer type of deal um, it'll be interesting to see how the 49ers handles him too do you, you know now in training camp D Ford when he was in when he was practicing he was he was out there right away uh, he was out there on the early downs as well as the later downs so maybe they're planning on keeping him out there more and kind of using Bosa as a more of a rotational role to start but it's interesting you know D Ford's only 6'2 250 so it's not like he's a He's a defensive end, and he's setting the edge against the run. You know, that's tough for a guy that's that size. Really, all they want him doing is rushing the passer. So I could see – and if I had to choose between Ford and Bosa as far as you know it's going to be a rundown, I'm putting Bosa out there because Bosa was outstanding against the run. And from his waist down, he looks like a defensive lineman. His legs are massive. And there were plenty of plays where he stonewalled an offensive lineman and basically – held him off with his left or right hand and rode the play out of bounds and the running back couldn't get around him. So, you know, that's kind of what you want from your, your, whether it's your, your wide nine or either side of your defensive line. So. No, Nick Bosa has shown us his true colors. He is a dominant football player who again is off the field right now. And it, it sucks if someone rolled up on him or it sucks that he did this or that. His availability concerns me, but when he is on the field, I'm super excited because it's going to change his defense. We could talk about the hot boys. We could talk about Fred Warner and Alexander. But, I mean, I, I really think the, the secondary is the make-or-break piece. And you and I were kind of chatting a little bit before the pod. Are they going to go Jimmy Ward to free safety when he's fully healthy from the collarbone? 
Or are they going to ride Tarverius Moore, who shockingly looks great at free safety where he played really well in college. We got him at his natural position. Again, you, you've had boots on the ground. You've seen this guy. He had a great performance up in Denver in, in training camp. Um, you know, Played pretty well tonight, got nicked up, but then uh, looks like he's going to be fine. I am team Tarverius Moore all day at free safety. I've seen Jimmy Ward. I, I don't want to see that again. If, if Moore is struggling, then let's try Jimmy Ward. Tart also had a good showing tonight. Looks like Colbert. I don't know. Colbert's going to be on the bubble perhaps as well. Too. The safety situation to me is very fluid right now. Uh, I'd like to be able to count on Tart staying healthy. I'd like to be able to count on Jimmy Moore. I'm ready for the dawn of a new era. era. Give me Tarverius Moore free safety week one. No, I think that's fair. And I just feel like somebody who's put in the time all offseason – and, and, and I don't know if training camp is technically the off season. A lot of people don't think it is, but it, he's put in the work and he's, you can, you saw him change Robert Sala defensive coordinator. You saw him change Sala's opinion of him in a very short period of time throughout the two weeks of training camp. Moore went from being a really experienced uh, second year player who started, you know, as a rookie played corner. So he was almost, you know, almost like a rookie safety, despite the fact that he had experience of it at college. And, Robert Sala was really hesitant to kind of uh, praise him, even though he was making plays and he was coming along. He was really hesitant to praise him. He didn't think he was an NFL caliber safety yet. But over the last two weeks, he's kind of changed his mind. And Tavarius Moore made a lot of really impressive plays at training camp, and apparently he was really well at the uh, Denver Broncos open practice, and he seemed pretty well tonight. On that note, the 49ers just officially won it 24 to 15. So good for them. Um, that that's, you know, that's an accomplishment. It seems like they're getting a lot of good play from their younger guys. So I think you leave him out there. You let him roll with it. You know what you have in Jimmy Ward. He struggles to stay healthy. So he should probably be in a backup role anyways, and let more roll out there. See if he can keep making plays. If his inexperience starts to rear its ugly head, and then they know they have Ward in the, in the wings, who is a guy that they're confident in. So to me, just don't crush all the momentum that Moore has built up throughout training camp, throughout open practices, throughout the preseason. And if he shows out week three or four, then let him roll into the, into the regular season and see what you got. You might have someone, you know, he's a third round pick. He's not necessarily, you know, a late round guy that you're not even sure how this, how he's going to react to the lights. So uh, I just think that they should at least let the guy capitalize on his hard work, see what he can do and go from there. See what, let, see what you got. Totally. And like recapping this preseason training camp offseason right now, biggest storyline is coming out of tonight. Jimmy Garoppolo looks a little rusty and, it's not going to be shocking in September if he struggles. Like People have to get this in their mind right now. And he could still be a franchise quarterback. People have to separate the two concepts here. If he struggles early in 2019, it doesn't mean that he can't reach potential uh, later down the line. And you know this isn't going to be a 6-10 and 10 year for the 49ers unless the wheels fall off. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have it together. But they're going to be in a little bit of trouble if he's not on fire all the time. And so how we saw week two of the Lions last year, we're going to see a little bit of that. You know, you got a glimpse of it tonight against the Broncos. Let's hope the O-line is better. I think they're going to rely heavily on the running game early on to get Jimmy G comfortable. Um, I think Kendrick Bourne's the odd man out. Yeah, man, like big storylines on defense. Nick Bosa, as we just covered, D Ford. We, we, we haven't seen this defense together, live action on the field. So it could be good in, in a sense that offenses really hadn't had – any film to prepare for Nick Bosa and D Ford together. If they come in 
you know, the 49ers are going to have to play well on defense to make the playoffs. This can't, this can't be the secondary the last two years and this team makes the playoffs. So if they get safety figured out, if, if Verrett can play at second corner, they might have a chance. But, I mean, we didn't even get there. I, I've harped so much. I'm, I'm just I'm, – I'm not happy with how they handled second corner. It's just clearly that position is going to get picked on. But, yeah, man, like overall I think the team is in a pretty good place heading into the regular season. A couple question marks. The roster is a lot better. Kyle's in year three. You know, they're going to be a fringe playoff team if I had to predict right now. That's kind of where I've been, and I think that for them to be a fringe playoff team, they're going to need some things to finally go their way. These injuries have got to go away, and they've got to stay away, you know, and that's a little unrealistic. There's always injuries during an NFL game throughout the season. That always happens, but the 49ers need the guys that are currently injured to recover and be a part of the season. D Ford, Nick Bosa, Jarek McKinnon, I know, although he's kind of become the lot, you know, the guy on the outside. Shanahan has a very high opinion of what he can do. And, and you were mentioned in the run game earlier, Shanahan, you could tell, was visibly upset when McKinnon went down with a torn ACL. And he basically admitted that half of his playbook had to go away. So he has a very high opinion of Jarek McKinnon's abilities, how long it's going to take for Jarek McKinnon to come back and be the guy that they signed in free agency. I don't know. That's, that's one of the weird things about ACLs, especially with a running back. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. The good thing is uh, Raheem Mostert was awesome tonight, which is kind of getting to the point where it's like an embarrassment of riches because the 49ers, even without McKinnon, still have, like we mentioned earlier, have Coleman, Brita, and Mostert. Mostert averaged 9.6 yards per carry tonight, and that's not like a, a new thing for him. He, I think last season, before he broke his arm, another injury, he was averaging like seven yards a carry. And, you know, he had a 30-yard touchdown tonight, and he just looks good as a running back. So being able to have a fourth running back on game days that's also a stud on special teams, for somebody like Shanahan who values his run game so much, uh, it's it's. You, I asked him about it before the start of training camp. I said, what does it feel like to have four starting caliber running backs on your roster? And he, like, lit up. You know, it's compared to last season where they had to work their way through the season. They lost McKinnon. Uh, Brita was doing great, but he battled that ankle injury. Uh, they started leading on on Jeff Wilson, uh, who is their backup, you know, a, a practice squad guy. So for him to have these four starters going into the season, that should at least take some pressure off Jimmy Garoppolo and what they expect from him. They can trot out a fresh starting running back on pretty much every drive. You know what I mean? So that's that's something a lot of leagues. Their depth there is going to matter so much. Uh, their their lack of depth, other places, O line, corner. I mean, linebacker now, they have Drake Greenlaw. So, I mean, they, they fill depth out on certain spots, but O-line and corner depth could sink this team. Like, you don't want to predict injuries and, like, oh, I'd rather have this person get injured. But they have injuries. If Richard Sherman goes down, the season could be over. Like, they're, they're going to have to make a trade for a corner. They're just not going to have – they're going to they're gonna get eat up, eaten alive every week. Um, this is great. I like podcasting with you, bro. <laughs> we do all right. We're rolling. Another one that, thing that was interesting, just to point out before we, we head on out here, maybe this will be the first podcast where I don't go over the time limit. But um, <laughs> I'm trying to sneak um, – Rob's, you know, he's, he's a rookie podcaster. He's done some other stuff before. But, you know, looking back at the tape, Rob's running this too long. I'm getting on and be like, yo, we got to cut this thing off. Man. <laughs> We're at 37 minutes. So when I look at that, all I see is 45 minutes. I'm like, okay, I got six more minutes. But I still got to do a sign out. So maybe I have five and, a half, five and a half. But no, I thought real quick, I thought it was interesting that they sat Fred Warner today, uh, which basically means to them that they consider him like an integral piece of that defense. And, you know, Dre Greenlaw, Greenlaw the rookie fifth round linebacker has shown out and maybe Greenlaw is starting to ease Malcolm Smith out 
out of the starting lineup. Who knows what to expect from that guy? But, you know, it's just interesting to see how quickly Fred Warner has, like, inserted himself as not necessarily the same caliber player as, like, a Navarro Bowman, but he's taking on that same type of a role, you know, and I can tell you just from his demeanor that he's like the leader of that defense and he might be young, but he has no problem speaking up and telling guys like, you know, Buckner and Sherman and whoever, just the more veteran guys on the defense, how he feels. So that was interesting to me. I could just tell that he's really happy with the the leader he's become. We'll see how well he plays. He had a pretty promising rookie year, but you know, to see that somebody kind of stepping up like that, it's always going to benefit the team. Totally. No. And so with me, with him, I think his biggest game last year was week one against Minnesota. Like he was clobbering people, was everywhere, breaking up passes. And then you saw like flashes of that, but you didn't see that one dominant game. You know, I'd love to see him and Quan both dominate. It's going to depend on opportunities, who's covering who, like who's schemed up that week. I want more impact moments from Fred Warner. He's definitely super consistent and solid. Great for a third round pick. Definitely a steal. But, you know, for him to take the next step, the George Kittle-like second year, I'd, I'd love to see Fred Warner, you know, with four or five turnovers at the end of the year. And, like, you remember the critical plays he made on third down to help win a game. And I, he's trending in that direction. You're right. It's, it's good to see him. He's earned that right, I think, by playing 16 games last season. He can sit out this Bronco game. Right. I think it would be unfair if before we signed off, we didn't mention the fact that the 49ers – precious fourth round punter had himself in a, a a studly little tackle today on a kickoff return where the guy broke through and here comes Mitch Wisnowski from Australia and lights the dude up it was like a perfect form tackle I, just, the stuff you don't ever expect to see it was, it was wild no people were flipping out on draft day about it um I believe I was like leaning a little negative towards it but um early returns on Mitch Wisnowski there could be some Wisnowski jerseys this, this could be the reincarnation of Andy Lee here. There, there could be a lot of 49ers fans buying into this guy, flipping the field position. You know, fourth round pick is heavy, heavy burn. You think they got George Kittle in the sixth round. Like you could potentially find a star player if you trust your drafting. Um, they're saying punting is that big of a deal, and he's uh, early returns are very, very promising on our, our, uh, our guy from Australia for sure. All right. So, well, again, he has an Australian accent, and that will win anybody over. Australian accents are awesome. So anyways, I think now that we've gotten into punters and Australian accents, I think that might be a time for us to sign off. The 49ers wrap up their preseason. They have the Chiefs on Saturday, and then they have the Chargers on next Thursday. So that'll be it for the 49ers preseason. Kevin, anything you need to say before we close out? No, yeah, mybookie.com slash bluewire, harrys.com slash bluewire, roman.com slash bluewire. Um, you know, we're going to be bringing you some some really interesting other brands as well later into the fall here. You're supporting us when you check out those brands. So, you know, even giving us the page view there is important to to give these brands the awareness. And yeah, man, Blue Wire, we're, we've added another investor. We're going to announce them all at one time. We're raising our seed round in San Francisco. You know, really incredible concept here. Creators like yourself are, we're all joining together. I think this is a smart thing we're doing. Um, and yeah, man, we're missed you tonight, Croc. Hopefully you listen to this full episode, but we'll get you back on here and we'll uh, we'll all three wrap. But no, loving the new striking gold, new and improved KJ podcast. Yeah, guys, that's it. Like Kevin said, I'm excited to be here. I'm pumped to be on the Blue Wire Network. I'm pumped to be on this podcast, uh, sharing the mic with with guys like Kevin and, and Croc. So, but that's it for us. I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, like Kevin said, make sure to support our brands. Make sure to support the people that are supporting us. Uh, as always, we appreciate you being here. And this is Striking Gold signing out.